He's got bigger problems than worrying about cleaning out his office in Congress. He, he may be heading to some very serious legal trouble. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, November 28th. Today, I'm joined by Abby Livingston to talk about the possible expulsion, finally, of George Santos from Congress, which would lead to a special election in maybe the most competitive and expensive House district in the country. We also dig into the bad economic vibes swirling around Joe Biden and if he can overcome the political cost of high prices before next year's election. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. I'm talking politics today with who else but my friend, Abby Livingston. Abby, how are you? Where did you spend Thanksgiving? Uh, In the great state of Texas, where I still am until Wednesday. So uh, it's a good place to be. That's the answer I was hoping for. Is there a like unique to Texas Thanksgiving food item that is rarely discussed? Like do you guys do like mac and cheese or some sort of brisket thing? No, I think I would probably say some people do fried turkeys. Those can be a fire hazard. But I think the more unique <laughs> things happen at Christmas where we have tamales. So that's that's how we get interesting in Texas. So how where was your Thanksgiving? There are so many interesting things in Texas. I was out here in California having traditional Thanksgiving food, and it was all delicious, I must say. Abby, I want to ask you about something that feels like a long time coming, uh, <laughs> which is George Santos the lying congressman from New York, a Republican, finally seems like he might be booted from the House after the Ethics Committee finally unveiled a report <laughs> saying how Santos misused his campaign money and spent it on Botox, Ferragamo, OnlyFans, casinos, on and on and on and on. So We've all heard about George Santos. He's become a punching bag, a cartoon character. We'll go down in history as one of the weirdest politicians ever to grace the hallways of Capitol Hill. So what's the latest here? Is he going to get kicked out of Congress? Well, it appears so, which I've said before, and it didn't happen. But it seems like this House Ethics Report both that the House Ethics Committee, which is made up of members, put that out and that it was just so excessively amazing in its details. But it really does appear that the the ground has moved beneath him and that one of the hesitations of throwing him out seems to be that members were a little anxious and wanted due process to play out a bit more. And that was basically through the Ethics Committee. And that has assuaged those doubts. And so it looks like even George Santos has publicly said he thinks he's on his way out from Capitol Hill. What did he spend money on on OnlyFans? Was he subscribing to <laughs> content creators? 
I just gave the report a skim, but I don't think it went too in detail. But it was there was also an imaginary Maserati. It was just and and honestly, that is one thing. But it the bigger issues are there were just there was unaccounted money coming in and unaccounted mm-hmm. money coming out. So um, you can get away with a lot in Congress and you can get away with a lot in campaign finance reports. But he's got bigger problems than worrying about cleaning out his office in Congress. He he may be heading to some very serious legal trouble. Yeah, I mean, he's already facing federal <laughs> uh, fraud and money laundering charges, you know, on top of getting kicked out of Congress. His post-congressional life doesn't seem like it's going to be awesome. You know, you said you could get a, a, get away with a lot in Congress. It feels like you can get especially get away with a lot inside the House Republican Caucus, a very rowdy place these days. He has survived two expulsion votes before why was that? Well, it was because they wanted to let this process play out and not and, and, and quite frankly, the people leading this were his fellow New York Republican members. They were getting sick of sharing a media market with this guy. I've had Democrats tell me that George Santos is the most famous congressman in America based on their polling. But yes, to quote Daniel Patrick Moynihan, we've seen a dramatic defining of deviancy down in the United States House <laughs> as the Republicans took over last January. And that has played to his benefit to an extent. But once again, like you can do crazy things, you can say crazy things, you can act very strange. But when you start playing with money and misusing it, then you are in another dimension. Speaking of Moynihan, a New Yorker, there are a lot of competitive seats within New York's congressional delegation. This is this is one of them. I mean, if Republicans here sign up and vote to expel Santos, this reduces their slim majority to an even slimmer margin. Uh, We'll see if they end up doing that. But this would set up a special election in New York 3, which is, you know, right in the New York City media market. Is that race like truly competitive? I mean, is it a a jump ball between Democrats and Republicans? Absolutely. Nathan Gonzalez from the analysts, the House Raiders um, of Inside Elections, says this is a pure toss up. And it used to be held by a Democrat. This is the North Shore of Long Island. So you have Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of New York reporters who can just take a train out and cover that race. That's, you know, I've I've had to travel across the country for specials in the past. But also, Mm -hmm. New York is the most expensive media market. It's not that common to buy television advertising in New York for house races, but some Democrats are projecting that this could be the most expensive house special election of all time. But I've had some Republican pushback. A lot of times those races tend to be over direct mail and in digital and cable. Mm. But I do not think you can underestimate the scale of attention just because of the location, just because of George Santos. This thing is going to be one of the biggest specials we've seen on any level. It's also going to be interesting because, you know, theoretically, like if he gets expelled from Congress, basically what would happen is Governor Kathy Hochul would issue a proclamation within 10 days of that vacancy to declare a special. And that election has to take place like 70, 80 days after she does that. So we're looking at an election that would happen in the early part of 2024 in a House district that's a swing district. Biden won it in 20 and then, you know, Santos won it after that. It's a swing district. And, and like that's going to be an incredible bellwether for political reporters. It's exactly what you said. It's going to be like a perfect little early test of how uh, how how the 2024 election is going to go in the mood of the country. I'm sure no one will extrapolate greatly from <laughs> that special. Yeah. And- 
I actually get pretty peeved when people draw too many conclusions from specials. But this one, I bet your listeners weren't even aware, or most of your listeners, that we've had two specials in the last month. But they were one was a safe R seat and one was a safe D seat, and those rarely get attention. Now, one one kind of pushback on the idea that we might be able to get this huge sense of where the election's headed is that you know the messaging could be a reaction to George Santos and voters, exactly. you know, vote for a Democrat, and it's all about George Santos that he's such an outsized personality. But I do think that we are going to be able to extrapolate some lessons from it. But again, I'm hesitating to declare one way or the other the control of the House, Senate, and the presidency over a Long Island House district. Yeah, the way to read specials is kind of like reading polls. Like you look at the aggregate results over a bunch of examples. So earlier this year, there were a bunch of special elections all over the country in, in state houses. Democrats, you know, despite President Biden's approval rating being in the toilet, Democrats, you know, overperformed in, in a lot of those and won most of them. And, you know, the analysts were like, well, okay, this bodes well for what's going to happen in Virginia and Kentucky and all the other elections in November. And that's that's sort of what happened. And so, yeah, I mean, if Democrats win here, that could be like a good example of that trend continuing. But it could also be exactly what you said. I mean, this is just a referendum on the craziness of George Santos and people in New York just must want to go like 1,000 miles away in the other direction with their vote. So we shall see. But that uh, House primary, if it happens uh, on the Democratic side, at least, uh, I expect that one to be very crowded. Abby, I'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I do want to talk more about the national environment and the economy. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right. I found that on Etsy. It's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the powers of be everybody i'm joined by abby livingston abby and i collabed a big collab this week on the best and the brightest and she she wrote about george santos this week i wrote about the economy. And look, everyone's writing about the economy and Joe Biden these days. But it's really fascinating, the state and nature of the economy. Voter sentiment is just completely at odds with the actual nature of the economy. Economists agree that the economy is actually pretty healthy. We've recovered from COVID. Uh, The unemployment rate has been under 4% for like two years. Jobs are being created. Biden's actually done a bunch of things to expand green energy jobs, manufacturing jobs. Uh, infrastructure jobs. The issue is inflation and prices. And the reason that's so toxic for the president is that prices are really the way people experience, quote unquote, the economy, groceries, gas prices, car loans, car insurance, all of those things are up except for gas prices, which are down. But, you know, people's pocketbooks, that's that's what the economy is to a voter. It's not like Bureau of Labor Statistics data It's not the most recent jobs report. Like, that's just not how normal people experience the economy. So, you know, from your perch, Abby, like talking to Democrats in the House, what's their read on how to message around the economy? Do they think Biden is a drag on them politically next year? Do they think he's even capable of conveying his accomplishments? That's got to be a private concern as well. I think that there is a lot of concern about Biden's political standing But I think we come back to early November with the Virginia and Kentucky races, and we saw such Mm -hmm. discord between Biden's low polling and this Mm -hmm. activism and this strong performance down ballot. It's just something that just defies political gravity, and the economy factors into that as well. And so, and I I detected this from your piece, I, I am just... I'm really struggling to wrap my head around this because I I mean, Mm -hmm. I I was interested with your walk off quote with the young woman from Wisconsin. It was she's not Mm -hmm. happy about any of this and her salary, but she's it it appeared she was still going to vote for Joe Biden. I mean, can you elaborate on that conversation? Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you read that far. It's at the end of the piece. Yeah, I was out in at the University of Wisconsin in October interviewing 
college students for my Snapchat show, you know, just stopping people on campus and asking them some, some very basic focus group style questions where they're excited about a Trump versus Biden rematch. And some of these people were second time voters. They voted in 2020. But a lot of, a lot of these Gen Z folks were young enough that this will be their first election. And I talked to this one young woman. Her name was Ella. She was from Wisconsin, uh, battleground state. And she didn't like out of the gate, didn't mention abortion. She didn't mention gun violence. Um, you know, it was the economy. She just went right into it. You know, a lot of my friends, they want to buy a house. They want to buy a car. They want to have a job that like allows them to live a fulfilling life, you know, like their parents, theoretically. And she was just staring down the gauntlet of a life of being in financial, not like ruin, but just stagnancy. And, and the fact that she just went out of the gate with that is a is a interview that's stuck in my head for a couple months as I was starting to think about the economy. And, you know, I, I gave her some counter examples. You know, Biden didn't, wasn't able to cancel student loan debt. He has for some people, but not, not as much as he promised. He is fighting for them, um, you know, fighting for higher wages, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the message just isn't really getting through. Now, there, there, there's a vibes theory about all this. I mean, like the New York Times wrote a piece recently about how like TikTok is filtering like misleading information about the economy to people and making people think that the economy is actually worse than it is. I think that's a pretty like limited thesis that just plays into the New York Times desire to write a like a puff piece or like trend piece about TikTok every other day. But like it's true across social media and media generally. I kind of call it the choose your own adventure economy. You know, like gas prices are down over here, but the cost of used cars is up over here. Gas prices are down over here, but you know, and airline tickets are down over here, but rent is up. Groceries are up. Potted indoor plants are up. The cost of pets is up. You can like just point around to these various things that like influence people's lives in discrete ways. And as long as interest rates are high and that's driving up loans and making house payments greater and that's depleting savings, it just lends a sense of insecurity, even while the official data points of Washington suggest we're heading in the right direction. It feels like Biden isn't getting credit for that. Uh, and, and it's also like voters really only kind of judge the economy based on their pocketbook and their their checking account. A, a good example I used here, actually, I think Jared Bernstein, the chairman of the National Council of Economic Advisors, was on Fox News Sunday and very gamely responded to questions from Shannon Bream about polls say that Americans are dissatisfied with the economy. They don't like the trend we're going in. They think the worst is yet to come. And he, you know, like Biden, is like, look, I know it's hard out there. I know people are struggling, but we're trying our best. Here's what we're doing. And he pointed to this example of Black Friday. And Black Friday set like a big record for spending. Like almost $10 billion was spent online on, on Black Friday. But then you like look under the hood a little bit. Like, is consumer spending power back? Well, well, a lot of people were putting that stuff on credit cards because a lot of their savings have been depleted since the pandemic when people were saving a lot of money and getting those stimmy checks. Uh, a lot of people were like, putting the, the things they were buying on like buy now, pay later plans. Um, and so like, you know, people's like savings aren't really there, but they're still buying stuff. And so there's just all this like conflicting data. And if you are the Biden administration, if you are Dean Phillips, if you are 
AOC, if you are George Santos, if you are a Republican, if you're a Fox News anchor, you can cherry pick like all kinds of data and say, see, Biden's doing good. See, Biden's doing bad. Um, and we just have to remember throughout all of this stuff, voters aren't, they aren't economists. They aren't like journalists like us. Again, it's like they drive by the place that they usually get gas and the gas prices are too high. And like that correlates to approval ratings for the president, like it or not. So as you were thinking through this story, were you, so uh, we have sort of in the ether, we also have the abortion issue and we have Donald Trump as a singular presence in a very unique way and not favorable to many Americans, especially young people. Do you think this election will be about the economy, stupid? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, that's a good question, Abby. I was going through this and I thought about something I wrote back in 2020 about how the economy, like the question of who, which candidate is better on the economy in every presidential election year is actually a pretty good indicator of who wins the election. Republicans have a built-in advantage on that question because people think about Republicans as like better on the economy because of lower taxes and business and all this stuff. But if Democrats can either win on the issue of the economy or come close, they typically win. So Trump beat Hillary on the economy question, he barely won. Biden and Trump were tied on the economy, Biden won. Go back to 2012, Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney, a business guy. Obama came within four points of beating Romney on the economy. That's good for a Democrat, and Obama ended up winning. The issue right now for Biden is that he's losing on the economy question to Trump by 22 points, according to that New York Times Siena poll. So you could look at that and say, by that metric, Biden's definitely going to lose the economy because that's just the way the pattern plays out over history. But to your point, in the Trump era, things sort of defy convention. Democrats won in 2022 and 2023, despite the bad economic vibes, despite Joe Biden's approval rating. And that's what the White House says. Eventually, it's just going to be a choice on the ballot between Biden and what he's done and the crazy guy over there, <laughs> Donald Trump. I was talking to Ben Landy, our editor, when I was coming up with this story, and he sort of made the point that voters, even if the economy gets better or even if the messaging gets through to them, Biden will still be tagged as the guy who owns the economy. And it reminded me of a conversation I had a few years ago with Austin Goolsby, who was one of Barack Obama's economic advisors, and he is the president of the Chicago Fed. And he reminded me that Well, I actually wasn't of age to remember this, but he told me that in 1992, um, that election was about the recession. Bill Clinton blamed George George H.W. Bush for the recession. But the recession was like a really like a 1991 thing. By 1992, by November 92, the economy was pretty good. Yeah. But that didn't matter to voters. And they kicked George H.W. Bush out of office. And that's because Clinton was basically able to blame him for a bad economy and make it stick. And so even as the economic indicators got better, people still associated Bush with a bad economy. But you know, that's another weird election. Like Ross Perot was on the ballot, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, like Trump creates his own political universe with its own choices. Trump himself is an issue that's on the ballot along with the economy and abortion. And so yeah, it could be different. But like, if you're just going by economic numbers, if this was like Joe Biden versus Mitt Romney, I would like put all my chips on the table <laughs> and say Biden loses because the the economy numbers are so bad for him. He's got a lot of work to do to explain to voters 
what he's done, where the economy is going, and that stick with me, it'll get better because you know prices aren't the only thing out there, but they're certainly the only thing that voters are feeling right now, it seems like. Abby, uh, as always, I like these B segments where you throw the questions at me. Have a good week. You too. It's fun to pick your brain, Peter. <laughs> you too. Thanks, Abby. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.